Hello, listener. This is Duffy Henderson, the host of the Asking for a Friend podcast. wanted to take a moment to let you know that this is part one of a two-part mini-series on the life and ministry of Adoniram Judson. So stay tuned for next week's episode as the conversation is concluded. And now to today's episode. Well, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Asking for a Friend podcast. It's an elder-led ministry of Believers Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. And my name is Duffy Henderson, and I'm your host. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and benefit of God's people. Here we hope to provide helpful, thoughtful, and most importantly, biblical material as we address everyday life questions and issues. If you find this podcast helpful, please take a few moments to share it with someone that you think would also benefit from it. Thanks for listening in, and may the Lord bless this episode in particular greatly to you as a means of grace for your spiritual growth and your benefit. And today I am joined again, once again, by Jason Rowland, our senior pastor here, one of our elders at Believers Baptist Church. And we are back for episode number two of our series for 2023, the Old Dead Guys series. Are you ready for this, Jason? I am ready for this. I've been looking forward to this particular episode, and we did John Bunyan in the first episode of this series. That was a good episode. It was. (laughs) So today, if you've seen the title of this, you already know who we're going to talk about Um, But we are going to be speaking about a missionary, uh, specifically an American missionary. His name was Adoniram Judson. Some people don't pronounce it that way. It could be Adoniram, Adoniram. We're going to pronounce it Adoniram on this one. But uh, we hope that this is going to just give you some great encouragement and some good history about um, American Baptist missionaries early on, Mm -hmm. kind of in the new uh, new phase of missions and global missions. This right. kind of set a new precedent in, in some ways. So. And one reason why that we want to do this particular person at this time, which is February of 2023, is because in February of each year, Believers Baptist Church emphasizes international missions and how we need to be involved as God's people in that and how we can particularly do that with our finances and because we are part of the uh, Heart Cry Missionary Society, we support their work and have yes. done that for a number of years. Yes, and very grateful for that ministry. Yeah, absolutely. And so we want to continue to do that. So at our church, we emphasize then missions every February. And so in in honor of that, uh, not only do we do missionary biographies in the worship service during the month of February, but this podcast episode is coming out because of the emphasis that we're placing on missions in our church right now. That's exactly right. And so we want this episode to kind of fit right into our theme of the month. And really, obviously, this uh, podcast is for our church, just for the discipleship of our people here. But whoever's listening here, we hope this is just, this sparks some, maybe it pushes you to go read a book or dig into uh, missions a little Absolutely. bit more. Absolutely. That's all we hope to to accomplish today. So uh, we have a lot of material in front of us, and we're going to do our very best to condense and make this not a super long episode. But I'd like to start off, um, one of the crowning books on Adoniram Judson's life is written by Courtney Anderson, and I believe he wrote this back in the 50s, and it's called To the Golden Shore. And this is kind of the book on his life. There are a couple of other books that have been printed about his life, uh, one by... um, uh, the name of Wayland. I can't remember his first name. I, it's uh, leaving my mind right now, but he, uh, I think he printed some of 
um, Judson's letters, personal correspondence. So that's an interesting thing to look up. But this is kind of the biography, and it's a whopping 500 and so pages. It's huge. It's just over 500 pages. So To um, the Golden Shore. It's the to, classic. It's the classic. This is the book if you want to read about Adoniram Judson. But I just wanted to begin uh, this episode with a little quote from page 53, and this is early on in the book. Um, as he is feeling this call to, mini- or to missions specifically. This is uh, Courtney Anderson writing of Judson. But no American so far as Adoniram knew had even thought of going out of North America, and no organization existed in the country to support American foreign missionaries. All at once his, speaking of Adoniram, his imagination kindled, An amazing, a brilliant, a dazzling prospect appeared to him. Why should not he be a foreign missionary to one of those remote parts of the world as yet unreached by the gospel? He would be the very first congregational foreign missionary. The first American. The very first. Everything in his life had prepared him for the idea. A career as the first American foreign missionary curiously combined his many conflicting ambitions. Fame eminence, humility, self-sacrifice, obscurity, adventure, uniqueness, the service of God. It had all of these. And so this is just a little peek into uh, the beginnings of what would be a lifetime spent um, in Burma, in the country of Burma in Asia, uh, which borders India, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, My Asia geography is not super up to par, but you I can correct me if I'm wrong. No, there. I think that's correct. I think that's it's correct. near. It's near India, right? In Asia, so well, let's travel back in time. Let's go back in time. Join let's go, us. Let's go all the way back to 1788. Yes, and the nation is just newly gained has newly gained its uh, independence. Yes, declared its its uh, independence in America in its infancy. Yes. And so on 17, in 1788, on August the 9th, Adoniram Judson is born in Malden, Massachusetts. And um, he is a, quite a prodigy as a young child. In fact, when he was three years old, his mother taught him to read in one week so that he could surprise his father who had gone on a journey. Yes. And his father who was a pastor, and a, a congregational pastor, and he was a very active, uh, energetic, love-reading young man and grew up um, in his father's home and in the church, exposed to the gospel, exposed to Christianity. He had a real knack for uh, solving problems, and he learned Greek, and he learned Latin, and in 1804, when he's 16 years old, he goes to Brown University. Yes. And while he's at Brown University, his parents have a lot of high hopes in what he might become and be a useful instrument in the hands of the Lord. But he meets and befriends a man by the name of Jacob Ames. Yes. And any parent listening, whether you're young or old, this is kind of the worst case scenario for Christian parents who love the Lord and their child goes off to college. This is one of those stories that they go off to college and they pretty much reject the faith. Right. This was Adoniram. Right. Because he met Jacob Ames, who was yes. a deist. Yes. And uh, had no um, 
saving faith, had no saving relationship with God. But nevertheless, uh, while Adoniram is there, he, he does well academically. He graduates as the valedictorian of the class in 1807. He started teaching at an uh, uh, academy. And in 1808, he, he determines that he's going to tell his parents that he's renounced the faith. He has done that in college. And he had not made it public to his parents, and so he determined that he's going to tell his parents that in 1808, and he does, and of course they're brokenhearted, they're shattered, they don't know how to think about it, and he then announces in August of 1808 that he is going to go to New York to write for the theater. Yes. And so his dad gives him a horse that was part of his inheritance, Yes. and he takes off and he goes to New York. And he arrives there, and it's not all that he thought it was going to be. And, and he looks around, and he sees there's a lot of sin and degradation. And he, yes. he, he's not entirely sure as to what he wants to do. There's confusion. And he determines that he's going to go visit an uncle in a nearby town. And he goes, and the uncle's not there, but there's a young man yes. who is a solid Christian. Yes. And he and Adoniram carry on this conversation, and Adoniram is very impressed yes. by him and um, just determines that um, he, this young Christian man who re- remains nameless to us, was, uh, was a, a man who had no confusion in his life, who just seemed to be... He um, was all put together. Right. Smart. Right. But was also a believer. Right. Right. And it made a, a great impact. It made a great impact on him. On Adoniram. And yes. so Adoniram then is um, still floundering around, and he stays at an inn at a village that mm-hmm. he had not been mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. And he checks in with the innkeeper, and there's one room available, and the innkeeper apologizes that there is a dying man in the room next to yeah. him. Yeah. And that all night there would probably be some activity in tending to this man. And so Adonam checks into the inn. He goes to his room, and sure enough, through the night, there's the coming and going of feet, and there's the muffled whispers, and there's the groaning and the um, strain of a man in the throes of death. Right, ac- right across, uh, right on the other side of the wall. Yes. And Adoniram lays awake, contemplating and thinking, is this man prepared for death? Mm. He has no idea who it is. And he not only thinks about this man's death, but he thinks about his own death. And he, and he scolded himself because a deist shouldn't be thinking thoughts about eternity and death. It's just part of yes. life and living and the human experience. Yep, yep. But finally, the sun comes up, Adonai goes down yes. to the lobby and talks with the innkeeper in his departure. And he says... Um, did the man make it? Did the man survive the night? Yep. Uh, and the innkeeper said, no, he did not. And just as an afterthought, just as Adoniram was walking out the door, he asked, who was the man? Mm. 
And the innkeeper said his name was Jacob Ames. Yeah. Wow. And that, if you're reading through the biography, that's a crucial moment in Adoniram's life. The death of this friend and that whole night, uh, that whole experience, um, God used providentially to, uh, as a catalyst to bring, first of all, to bring um, Adoniram back to himself, but also to call him to uh, a life of missions and evangelism. Right. Yeah. And so Adoniram was stunned. Yes. When the innkeeper told him the name of the yes. person who died. Yes. And he, and he actually he stood there and just contemplated and thought. He Can you just, imagine? <laughs> yes, he was in total uh, shock. And so it made such a, a profound impact on him that he began to think about his life more seriously, and he enrolled in Andover Theological Seminary to become a student there. But he's not a believer yep. because he's renounced yep. the faith. Yep. And so in 1808, as he begins to be serious about things of God, he finally becomes a believer. And this would have been in December of 1808. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you can imagine the, the parents and their rejoicing over that decision. And Amen. he begins then to really think about his life as a minister and what God would use him in and the purposes God would have for him. Um, and he began then to read and to study, and he listened to a sermon by a man by the name of Claudius Buchanan. And Claudius Buchanan is nobody that we really know, nothing special. Mm -hmm. we, we know he was an Anglican chaplain, but he preached a sermon called The Star of the East. And it was the star in Bethlehem in Luke chapter 2, and he made some references to how the Gentiles came and followed the star, and they saw the Christ, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. that, that would relate to missions, international missions, reaching the yes. heathen yes. across the globe. Yes, yes. And that began a fire in Adonai Judson that would not go out. Yes, uh, a very crucial time in his life, this time. Uh, first of all, we think... You may have missed it, but he enrolled in seminary, and he was not a believer. He didn't even have any really desire to join the ministry or anything. But he he went to seminary, Andover Seminary, um, and that's usually not the the track that most men go on uh, today, right? Usually, they would join a seminary because they feel a call to the to the mission field. I think or, there was a lot of confusion uh, in his life. There was, he, yeah. He didn't know what do you, what what am I going to do with my life? How do I think about God now that and I've had this experience? The faith of his father and mother was still ringing in his ears, right? right. And this confusion of his friend and all of this uh, could have. Can you you can just imagine that, right? So this this missionary fire that began to be kindled in him began to. Um, dominate his thinking and his um, way to think about his future. And so in February of 1810, he surrendered to um, a missions kind of calling. A missionary movement had been going on at the seminary. Yes. And it, and it sort of, um, he got caught up in that. And yes. He applied in June of 1810 to become um, a missionary for the um, American Board of Commissioners for Foreign Missions. Yes. Um, 
And in, by January of 1811, he is um, on his way to England to get support from the London Missionary Society. Yes. Um, long story, he's captured by pirates, and that's another <laughs> part of the story. There's just <laughs> no way we can fit all this into one podcast, but that's fascinating too. Right, right. And he's, he outsmarts them on the boat. He gets out of where... <laughs> it's a fascinating... He's very smart. Yes, yes. He's <laughs> he, very, he very tricks the guys who, who captured him. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he finally in 1810... Yes, yes. Uh, I'm sorry, 1812... Uh, yeah, correct. 1812, he um, marries Anne Hasseltine. Yes. She's 23 years old. Yeah, and I'd like to pause there for a minute. I, his, the story between him and Anne meeting is really fascinating. I love the, how uh, Anderson writes and, and communicates it, but he was smitten instantly. It was, uh, and, and the way Anderson accounts Adoniram's temperament is that he was a fiery uh, kind of, up front of a, a type of person. He was very bold and um, he, you see that all throughout his life. And he saw uh, her, I can't remember how they, how he came to be at their ho- their home, but he saw her, I think cooking or making plates of food or something. And he just fell in love <laughs> instantly. And that's all that kept, I mean, he was full bore uh, head over heels for this, this woman. It's quite an interesting story too. Um, he he wrote a letter to Nancy's or Anne's he, father. Yeah. Yes. Sometimes yeah. <laughs> sometimes she's called Nancy. Sometimes she's called yeah. Anne. Yeah. But the letter. Yes. Uh, a, a part of it says this: I have now to ask whether you can consent to part with your daughter early next spring to see her no more in this world whether you can consent to her departure and her subjection to the hardships and sufferings of missionary life, whether you can consent to her exposure to the dangers of the oceans, to the fatal influence of the southern climate of India, to every kind of want and distress, to degradation, insult, persecution, and perhaps a violent death. Now, this is a letter from Adoniram to Nancy's father, or Anne's father, (laughs) asking for her hand in marriage. Can you consent to all this? For the sake of him who left, mm. for the sake of him who left his heavenly home and died for her and for you, for the sake of perishing immortal souls, for the sake of Zion and the glory of God. How are you going to say no to that? <laughs> and she didn't, and he did it. <laughs> uh, Anderson writes just under this quote. That John, who was Nancy's father, his eyes must have been popping out of his head when he read this letter, right? Mm-hmm. But how would you turn that? How would you say no to a fiery man wanting to go take the gospel to the heathen as, it, as that was the passion? And he's asking for his daughter's hand in marriage to bring her with him. I mean, right. my goodness. And the only thing that he can promise is persecutions and yeah. trouble and <laughs> yeah. degradation yeah. and loss. Yeah, everything a father doesn't want for his daughter, right? right? And he left the decision up to her, and she determined to go. Yes, yes. And so in 1812, on February the 19th, they sailed to India. They had determined that they would go to India even before, even as what is alluded to in the letter, he had determined to go to India. It's a 114-day voyage to from yes. America to India. Yes. So now think about this because there was one major conversion and that conversion was from deism to Christianity. Yes. Right? Yes. And now we're going to have on this voyage another, another major conversion. Yes. 
And I, I love this portion. This is one of my favorite parts of Anderson's book, the way he recounts this. So uh, just picture this. You have this young man who was born in a Christian home, uh, pastor's son, uh, grows up, young man, goes off to college, rejects the faith completely, um, doesn't want anything to do with the God of his father, right? God uses a tragic situation providentially to bring him back, uh, has him in seminary, calls him to missions, right? And then all of this, though, uh, is from a congregationalist mission sending agency. And what you need to know about that is that they believed in infant baptism. This was um, a Puritan movement, and they were Pado-Baptist, and that's the sending agency that sent him. So he goes to India as a Pado-Baptist, one who is convinced of infant baptism, and on the way, he's, how many days did you say it was? It's 114 days. That's a long time. So he's there, you know, preparing. Uh, I'm sure it was not a very comfortable trip in, in many respects, and he's there uh, getting himself ready, reading the Bible, preparing uh, theologically and diligently. And he comes across a particular section of Scripture and uh, in the New Testament, and he has an epiphany moment, just a light bulb moment, that there's no support for, script, or for infant baptism in Scripture. It's actually in support of the Baptist position. And he knew that this would have, uh, first of all, this would go against his sending agency, this belief, um, and he was actually sent, uh, commissioned by the agency um, to go baptize converts and their households. That was part of his commissioning. And the baptism was sprinkling. That's right. That's right. And so uh, he, on this, on this boat ride uh, to India, he has this, he's like, I, can't, I cannot believe in infant baptism when the New Testament doesn't support it. And so you can imagine this battle in his mind that he's going through, and he talks to his wife about it, who is also a Congregationalist, and she's a little bit hesitant, but she loves her husband, and she hears him out, and they talk about it on the boat a little bit, and they both come to the same conclusion. So by the time they end up in India on this trip, they have changed their uh, key belief here. Um, and I'll let you pick it up from there, but... It's a fascinating section. It really is. They they are preparing to argue with William Carey, who is the... The Baptist fa- guy. The father of modern missions. Yes. Uh, from England. For English Baptist right. missionary. And so Adoniram Judson is the first American missionary. Yes. And, but they're preparing to meet him in India mm-hmm. and to argue uh, for um, yes. pedo-baptism. Yeah. Because William Carey already baptized by believers' baptism. Only believers. Right. Yep. And so in their preparing to argue for sprinkling, <laughs> uh, pedo-baptism, that's where they come to realize that William Carey is right and the Baptists that's, are right. That's right. That's right. And I love this. I got to read a quote in here from the book. Um, he, he is, again, he's battling this. So this takes some time as he's working through this and... Uh, uh, I'll just skim down here. This is in uh, on page 127 of Courtney Anderson's. Um, in Andover, he had begun a translation of the New Testament. So that's where he was in seminary. From the Greek, uh, which he continued on board ship. Along toward April, he became interested in the Greek word, which is usually translated as baptism. Adoniram had been baptized as an infant in the congregational way, but by the sprinkling of a few drops of water on his head. But as he conned the New Testament, as he could find 
But as he conned the New Testament, he could find no indication that anyone mentioned there had ever been baptized by sprinkling. In every case in which it was described, baptism had been performed in a river, the people baptized actually went down into the river, and studying the word itself, he could not find that it was ever used to mean anything but immersion. And so skipping down a bit, this is my favorite quote in the whole book. Uh, Let me jump right in here. um, Baptism was mentioned always in connection with believing. And this was his, this was this light bulb moment. So uh, Anderson writes this, but this was the Baptist position, not the Congregationalist. And it worried Judson. He began saying to Nancy, I'm afraid the Baptists may be right. I love that. And as a Baptist, I say yes. (laughs) 